Hello, everyone. At WCSU is your source for everything Westcon, even the weird stuff. And our message today is, there's nothing to see here. Everything is fine. Well, not really. There are a few hiccups. And just like everyone else, we are trying to figure out the coronavirus. Whether it will hit us, how bad it might get, and please, God, what have we done to deserve this? As it turns out, we think we'll generally be okay. That's because we're planning, we're communicating, and we're washing our hands a lot. We did announce over the weekend, though, travel restrictions for students and faculty on academic and athletic trips representing the university. That's going to cause a lot of heartache and hardship. We're trying to figure that all out so that students are left whole, at least financially. They may not be able to go to some games. We're trying to figure out the standing with the NCAA and, of course, all the academic stuff so everybody can graduate on time still, and we're working through that. Today, we're talking with Lisa Morrissey on the health angle. She's the director of the City of Danbury Health Department, and she's right in the middle of everything about the coronavirus. Uh, we talked to her over the weekend uh, as the Danbury coronavirus cases were being announced. That was at the end of Friday, and then there was another one on Saturday, or maybe it was Sunday morning. She's coordinating with WestCon and all the big institutions in the region to prepare for the virus, which is called COVID-19, and her message is, we're going to be okay. And actually, I'm working with the team on campus that's preparing and communicating. That's because I'm the spokesman for the university, not because of my role with the podcast. And at the moment, we're trying to answer all our questions. The four students who are studying in Italy have been called home. They won't be allowed back on campus until after spring break, just to make sure they aren't sick. If you're a student or member of the faculty or staff, you've seen the messages from our provost, Missy Alexander, and Vice President of Student Affairs, Keith Betts, telling you what we know and how to take care of yourself. Now, if you get the flu, or what seems like the flu, we want you to stay home for a couple of weeks. This applies to everybody who comes on campus. You won't be flunked out of class. If you're a student, we want you to talk to your professor. They'll make arrangements. And if you're a professor, um, we'll help you figure out how to keep teaching from home or whatever to uh, make sure your students uh, get through the semester. Those messages will continue, and the team in charge of responding to the virus will be meeting all the time. We met all weekend to make sure we are making decisions based on all the information we can get. Don't forget there's a flu clinic on March 10th. I think it's 1 to 2.30 uh, somewhere on campus. I think it's at Health Services. At Health Services. You're right. So aside from the constant anxiety and occasional <laughs> conversations punctuated by sobs, everything is going along as usual here, including at this podcast. After we give you all the coronavirus news, we will have Missy Alexander talking about the other thing of great interest to students, grades. Rada Krell will bring a student who is a who's doing great research in his biology class. And we will follow up with our weekly report on events from co-host Chantel Williams. We're still having events here on campus, although that is going to change a little <laughs> bit, too. <laughs> we do it all, Pete. No wonder we can refer to ourselves as an award-winning podcast. It's true. Man, what a bummer. You go to Italy and think you're going to have a whole semester and mm. that happens? Yeah, Ugh. it's not good. It's not good when you're planning to go to Florida on the baseball or softball team yeah. and uh, for spring break and have that ripped out from you. And, you know, this could apply, although we haven't figured it out totally yet. It could apply to the spring theater productions. Yeah, any large things. events on campus. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, of course, there are students going to academic uh, presentations. Chantel is doing, planning to do one of them. Yeah. Anyway. So people should keep an eye out on their, what, on the website, there's information, emails. If you're signed up for the ENS notifications, you'll get them there. Exactly. And we're trying to do push. Or I think we did some push notifications through the uh, app, the WestCon app. Oh, great. So on the homepage of WestCon, there's a big banner talking about coronavirus. And when you click there, you'll be able to get the latest updates. There's one just this morning. Sounds good. Yeah. 
I think it's time to welcome Lisa Morrissey, the Director of Health for the City of Danbury. So, Lisa, thanks for uh, joining us today. Thank you for having me. I know you're in the middle of it. You're very busy. You're probably the busiest person on campus, uh, not on campus, in the city. Um, I feel like I, I am definitely on the move, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So the first question is, are we all going to die? No, we are not. Oh, that's good. And why is that? Well, you know, I've been getting asked that question a lot. Mm. Um, and the simple fact is, is that... 80 to 85% of the people who get this virus are, it's going to be so mild, it's going to feel like they have um, the symptoms of a common cold. Um, I actually told in my epidemiology class yesterday that most people that have it will probably look like they have the sniffles, and you wouldn't be able to distinguish it um, from, you know, from the regular common cold. It's really that um, 20 to 25% of the population that they may have more severe cases. Um, and even from that group, we're talking about a very small percentage of people um, who may unfortunately pass from this virus. And the majority of that small percentage are going to be people that have underlying medical conditions. So why is it that the the World Health Organization and the CDC and everybody else who we, you know, has something intelligent to say about medical issues is um, very, very concerned about this. So there are a couple of uh, reasons to be concerned about. First of all, um, as I'm, I'm an epidemiologist by training, so I will say that any time that we're dealing with something new, um, it's going to throw a, a flag out on the play, if you will. So we have um, lots of great knowledge about coronaviruses, but this is a new coronavirus. And thinking about the body of research, all of the scientific information that we have about this virus, we only have 12 weeks. Mm. So this is something that literally was born yesterday in terms of the amount of scientific information that's uh, available uh, to us. And we don't have a lot of um, answers that we can give to the general public because we're gathering facts as we go along. People ask really good questions like, what's the, the case fatality rate? What's the fatality rate of this disease? And that information, like a really good hard number, isn't going to be available for a while because the situation is evolving so quickly. And, you know, the the guidance that we're getting and the guidance that we're giving um, CDC, World Health Organization, State Departments of Public Health, local public health departments, what we're asking people to do is to really please take some personal responsibility for your health and of the health of the people around you. Wash your hands, cover your mouth when you sneeze, um, stay home when you're sick, because if we can do anything to limit the spread of the virus, um, we should be doing that. And that's really what the, the overwhelming message has been, is to take the appropriate steps to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because we've been saying those things here on campus, but it is difficult to figure out what to say next, because like you say, we don't know what's coming, right. really. Yeah, it, I, I have the same thing. You know, we're um, getting a lot of calls at the health department, as you can imagine. Um, and people um, keep asking me, when's it going to come? Like, mm -hmm. when is it going to be here? And I keep making the joke, like, you, you think if I didn't know that information, I wouldn't be like sitting here kind of go like, okay, well, who's the highest bidder? Just teasing. <laughs> um, but we don't know um, when is it going to get really bad. We don't have a, a date. We don't have a lot of information. So again, we're asking people to let's let's be smart about this. Let's not panic. Let's not freak out. But let's think in terms of risk. So if you do get sick, we're probably going to ask you to stay home for up to 14 days. And so have enough food at home and supplies that you can stay home during that time and not worry about having to leave your home and possibly getting other people sick. If we start seeing widespread um, community transmission, meaning that people are you know giving each other the virus. Um, it's going to be the same thing. We're going to say, you know, can you please stay home to limit your interactions with other people, not because we're panicked and we're scared, but because we don't want you to get sick. Mm -hmm. So do you think there will be, um, is there a possibility or a large possibility that, you know, people will not be going to the grocery store or going to the mall or coming to school because... They don't want to either get sick or the, the, the institution has been shut down. 
Yeah, I think it's a possibility. Um, we can, you know, take um, our lead from the CDC. So the CDC has already published guidance for universities, K through 12 systems, and businesses, um, asking them to do some really specific things. Like one, um, take a look and examine: Can you continue your operations without your personnel being um, in your building or in your classrooms? Can you do telecommuting? Can you deliver your uh, classroom um, instructions online in anticipation that we may have some closure? So I think that you know, if we frame it in the sense that the CDC, who is, you know, the foremost organization to give us our directives for health advice, is asking us to do these things, I think that that means that it's a good possibility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that most organizations, they can do a lot of work from home and online, et cetera. Uh, this university, we, we could teach all our classes online, at least in some to some extent, for a few weeks anyway. Yeah, I actually, um, last uh, night, my epidemiology class and this morning, I have my environmental class, and I was asking my students, like, what do you guys think about this? How do you feel about that? And, you know, the um, responses that I got were pretty positive. Like, students seemed like, you know, that they would just adjust. Um, I had more students that were concerned about, what does this mean for my spring break plans? than it was about, um, you know, my classes going online, um, especially for me. I have an 8 a.m. class. My students are kind of hoping it hits next week. <laughs> And what do you tell people, students who are thinking about, who want to fly somewhere to go on spring break, what do you tell them? So to reiterate the message that all of my public health colleagues are are saying that you really need to be cognizant of that the situation is evolving really, really rapidly. Um, And you have to check the CDC's website for travel advisories. If you are going to be flying somewhere where there are cases of COVID-19, there may come a point where you may not be able to come back into this country. And that's because we have um, placed restrictions previously. So if we look at the situation with China, um, we got to the point where, you know, um, airlines stopped flying to China. And then we had people, you know, either um, getting an evacuation flight back home, or they had to fly to another country before they were able to get back. So not saying that, you know, the sky is falling, but just be aware that you know, you're traveling internationally. There may be cases, and they, they tend to happen really quickly. If we look at just um, how rapidly these cases have happened over the last 12 weeks, um, just be aware, keep checking, um, and maybe you decide that you don't want to travel internationally because, you know, that you feel personally that's a risk that's not worth taking for you. Um, and a lot of airlines are doing refunds, and they are um, allowing people to to change their their travel plans. Or maybe you decide, you know, I really do want to go to Jamaica and there are no cases there and I feel comfortable with that and and I encourage you to do that. And I ask maybe you want to consider taking me with you. (laughs) (laughs) So is it true that flying within the United States is... um seems to be okay at the moment? Yes, traveling within the United States is okay. What about all that lousy area, breathe and rebreathe in an airplane? So the risk is, is very low, um, and the CDC actually has a great tool for that on their website as well, mm. um, on the travel section. So, And they actually have the the body of an airplane, and you can actually see from if there was a person that was sick on the plane in your proximity by seat, um, the risk. And for the majority of passengers, it's, it's considered very low. It's very low, low, and medium. Mm. And so it's still... Uh, it's still safe to travel via air. Yeah, that's good. And you have been coordinating with other people in the city and throughout the state, too, I know, right, um, to make sure that all the organizations that might respond or be involved are up to date. Yeah, and I, I have to say it really is a testament to how well we all work together um, and all of our prior planning uh, for um, pandemic influenza, for Ebola, for SARS, for MERS. So all of these experiences that we've had in the past with planning really come into play now because the relationships have already been formed, the plans are there, and what we're doing now is just kind of, if you will, brushing the dust off of them and talking about how do we need to change 
change them specific to this particular virus um, and just looking at the community infrastructure and you know there are some things that we have now in 2020 that we did it when we wrote these plans um, the last time that we really took a look at them in depth was probably Ebola in 2014-2015 so we, we have some more technology so we have a lot more of our school districts and our mm-hmm. university systems that are a lot more comfortable with the delivery of online classes mm-hmm. um, people are able to to find information a lot faster now they can you can whip through that so there have been some advances that have made the work a lot easier mm. and you and you were mentioning uh, before we got on that uh, you and the mayor are going to do a Facebook Live weekly presentation. Yeah, so next week uh, the mayor and I will be doing a Facebook Live event um, where you can uh, just kind of, is that a log on? So the uh-huh. mayor is actually a way more uh, savvy with technology than I am. I'm a, I've got my nose in the textbooks and the mayor is the cool guy. Uh, so um, if you know how to get on to Facebook Live, you can teach me because he will be showing me how to do it uh-huh. um, and you can uh, ask us questions that you have and concerns about what the city is doing for planning um, or if you're concerned um, about whatever it is this is your opportunity to have direct access to us and and get your questions asked mm-hmm. so it's another way to communicate this information correct and and that's really what we want to do um, when the mayor and I talked we you know, we were talking about like all of the misinformation that's out there and all of the rumors that you find on social media and on YouTube and, you know, just even walking through the halls here um, on campus and even in City Hall. And I just stop and go, wait, what? No, go to the CDC's website. So it's really going to be a great vehicle to get people accurate, credible information. So we should all probably uh, go to the CDC website and just read up on yeah and you can bookmark it and i will say and i've said this before um when i've uh, done a couple of speaking events about this there's a lot of information i mean they have information Mm. for every audience up there and it can be a little bit overwhelming Mm -hmm. um and for that reason um over at the city department of public health what we've done is we've taken a lot of that information and we've distilled it down into what most people really want to know like can i go out to eat Mm -hmm. (laughs) um do i need to go and buy everything off the shelves in costco this weekend um and yes you can go out to eat no you don't need to go buy everything off the shelves in costco um, but you can find that information on our website. So if you're just looking for some really quick bullets um, and some easily digestible information about what you need to know right now, our website is a great place for that as well. That's good. So if people have other questions, they can call you directly, right? That's correct. So um, our website has our direct contact information. It has information of what to do if you think that you've been exposed to the virus, what to do if you think you're sick, um, what you should do if you've recently been told that you do have COVID-19. You can find lots of information on there. And like I said, it's really distilled down um, so that it is not as overwhelming um, as the CDC's website. Uh, Does somebody have to give you a test before you'll be told uh, that you have COVID-19? Yes. Mm. And will you be the one who shuts down the university if it has to be shut down? No, I'm not the one. So uh, I have a great relationship with the university. They call me to ask me my opinion on things and to try to gauge, you know, because the campus is really one piece of the city. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about what's happening on campus, but what's also happening in the city at large. So the relationship that we have with the university, they'll call us. um, They'll ask us for our opinion. They'll also be talking to the State Department of Public Health and the State Office of Higher Education to get some feedback. And they're going to be a lot of really smart people that are giving some guidance as to when is the appropriate time to close. Mm. You seem very calm about the whole thing. I am really calm about it. I mean, it, it's to me, it's it's a new virus. And yes, you know, it's a little bit concerning that it's new, but it's not panic inducing. I think I'm more concerned, you know, about a lot of the rumors that I'm hearing. Mm. Um, you know, one of my students told me that uh, there was a YouTube video circulating a couple of weeks ago um, about drinking um, uh, water with bleach in it. Um, so diluted oh bleach, God. because that will, you know, cleanse it from your body if, you know, you were ex- exposed to it. Um, and then there was someone else that was selling liquid silver for mm. $125 a dose on um, on, a, on an online platform. And... Uh, 
I saw a couple of sellers on Etsy that are selling, you know, herbal medicinal blends. Things like that cause me a lot more concern than this virus. I mean, especially considering what I said, that most people are going to have a case of the sniffles. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not going to be, you know, widespread people falling over sick. Is this is it true that this is a government plot to uh, reduce the population? Oh, I heard that one this morning, too. One of my students told me about this one. You know, and I've got to say, um, from an epidemiological standpoint, this would be a really terrible plan from the government. This would be... If you were going to do that, you would think you'd pick something that actually had a higher fatality rate, yeah. um, not something that, you know, was going to make a bunch of people sick and not really kill that many um, people. I mean, the fatality rate, even though we don't have a really good number to work with right now, is still really low and compared to a lot of other diseases. If the government was going to plot to do something... I'd like to think that they could do a little bit better than this. I know we get I, I know we get uh, beat up in the government for not being efficient sometimes, um, but yeah, I, I, I want to say we could do better than this. <laughs> well, thank you for coming in and educating us and making me feel better. Pete, you feel better too, right? Oh yeah, much better. And uh, we'll be calling you too. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here today. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks. The tyranny of grading is something both students and professors struggle with. Dr. Missy Alexander looks for potential alternatives in this segment of the provost's office. So grades are that horrible part of education. I'm just going to call it that. It's horrible for everybody. Uh, trying to put a number or a letter on a student's performance is an idea that I think should be part of history. Um, this is not how we think as a culture, and so when I say that, it's quite controversial. Uh, but it's a simple thing. Grades are not about learning. They're about ranking. And I really just don't need to rank my students. Uh, I, just, I don't think they're helpful to learning. Now, we've built this into our system so pervasively that students, if you told them they'd have no grades, and I've had this actual conversation with students, they say, well, how will you know who's best? I'm like, well, that's easy. I always know who's best. But that's not about the grades. In fact, the one who's best may not even get the best grade, right? Uh, best at this subject, by the way. I should be very clear about that because we're all best in something. Uh, so if I want grades to be about learning then I need to get rid of them because they aren't. However, there needs to be evaluation, right? Evaluation of how much you know, how much more you need to know, and whether or not you know enough to move on, right? This is hard work, right? But it's very helpful. So I like the idea of, I used to say done and not done, right? You're done with this class or you're not done with this class. This is a bear to manage, of course. That's almost impossible. So I like this other scale that I came up with, which is roughly this. This student has done enough in this class to move on to a course in this topic at a higher level. This done, student has done enough in this class to move on to a course at the same level. And this student has not done enough in this class or learned enough in this class to proceed in this subject, right? They haven't earned any kind of credit either. It's a pretty simple scheme. So on your transcript, it's basically done, done plus, or done to the next level, and not done. No GPAs. Now, I've made a bureaucratic nightmare when I do this, but think how much more fun it would be to give students actual feedback in the topic and give them growth opportunities in a discipline without thinking about that end score. I have seen this, right? I had, my kids went to a high school with no grades. And the first thing that all of my students at the time said to me was, how are they going to get into college? Well, just so you know, it's not that hard. All the students at that school who should go to college went to college. And so that's not an issue. Getting into college isn't an issue. And the other part of that non-graded high school was that the faculty did a narrative evaluation. And the narrative evaluation turned out to be much more telling. 
It wasn't much longer. It could be, of course. It could be pages and pages, but they were basically paragraphs, you know, because they had been giving the kids feedback all along, which frequently happens in classes, not always, but frequently. So at the end, they could say, you know, uh, this child is good at this, this, and this. They need to work on this, this, and this. And my very personal experience is that my son, who has a very minor cognitive thing with, you know, it's almost not enough to call it dyslexia, but mildly. He got all the way through seventh grade in the public school system with oh, good to mediocre grades, uh, and nobody ever identified it. One time with paragraphs across six courses, and I saw the same sentence in every one of them, and I said, ah, oh, we've got a thing going on here. So, you know, when somebody has a big cognitive issue, everybody finds it, but when somebody has a small one, they don't. So it can be very telling and very compelling. But nevertheless, it's really about the learning, not about the ranking, right? There isn't a valedictorian in, in this system. So I think it's more focused on the learning when you take that ranking system out of it. And so right now, a lot of people listening are probably saying, yeah, that's nice, that's sweet, but, you know, we, we're, we're an ABC culture. We can't do it. So let me tell you why I think it's more important to think about than that little dismissal will take. What we're doing is rewarding the students who already know the answers. What we're doing is telling the students that because you didn't know on the first test, you are not as worthy as the student who did know on the first test. What we are doing is disincentivizing learning. And in some classes, it's at a devastating level because there's only a few evaluations, right? So I appreciate the student who came in good at calculus, but I really appreciate the student who struggled in calculus and ultimately succeeded. And I'm not sure who really deserves the A there, all right? But also, it's very demoralizing to see that I failed the first test, therefore I have no chance at getting an A in this class. That's an opportunity to check out. So although I think maybe my grading scheme might be too simplistic, I think it's a little more urgent to discuss than thinking of it as a nice to have would suggest. It's a huge cultural revolution, but if you want to talk to me about first-generation students, the changing landscape of who is in higher education, this is a very fundamental barrier, and it is very discouraging. And so if nothing else, at least at the 100 level, we might want to reassess what we're doing and, and try to make it better. Because grades really, it's sort of like when you get a talented singer in your voice class, so they get an A because they came in knowing how to sing. And it's not fair. It's just not, it's not about learning. It's about already what they brought. And that's not, it's not a reasonable way to organize our educational system. So, Paul, the, what's this Willy Wonka situation we have coming up? <laughs> if you go to the Entrepreneur of the Year luncheon on Wednesday, March 25th. No, it's a breakfast, not a luncheon. Go there at 7.30 a.m. You'll get breakfast and you'll get two pieces of Bridgewater chocolate candy at your seat. And uh, that's because we're honoring the two guys who run Bridgewater chocolate, Eric Landegren and somebody else. <laughs> I'm still distracted. I'm just trying to imagine how early do I have to get there so I can run around and get all of the chocolates it's... <laughs> before anybody else shows up. <laughs> no, we have little pellet guns to keep people like you from... Uh... Keep the animals out? Yeah. The other guy's name is Andrew Blauner. He's very important to Bridgewater Chocolate, too. They've been a great success. They're celebrating their 25th anniversary this year, and... Uh, Western Connecticut State University is celebrating them with the Macrocostas Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Unless is... it gets canceled. <laughs> Unless it gets canceled. <laughs> we'll let you know if that happens. <laughs> yeah. We'll let you know if we're spreading more disappointment. <laughs> That'll work. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
Dr. Rada Krell loves to brag about the science building and the biology department where she works. And today she is bragging about a specific biology student who is doing work above and beyond what Pete and I ever did in college. Yeah, I had no idea we this opportunity was available to anybody. No. And, of course, you were a music major, so you well, couldn't. I mean, it is technically open to music majors, but you weren't going to go count yeah. uh, bugs on leaves or anything. No, and apparently it's there for the taking. Yeah, so. exactly. Cool. Yep. Hello. I'm here uh, with Jacob Bethan. He is a student in the biology department at Western Connecticut State University here. And Jacob is currently working on an independent research project that I thought uh, might be interesting to hear about. It's something that actually interfaces with, with two major biological disciplines, entomology and botany. And, uh, and so uh, Jacob's looking at some animals that uh, were not supposed to be where he's finding them <laughs> so yeah. Jacob do you want to tell us a little bit about your 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 plants and your animals okay mm -hmm. so uh, my research is identifying invertebrates that are found on podostomaceae uh, podostomaceae are river weeds that are found in South America we are focusing on ones that are found in Venezuela Suriname Brazil and one more that I can't remember. Uh, India? Costa Rica. Costa Rica, mm -hmm. yes. Uh, so, yeah, we are... So these plants are collected down in those countries, and they're brought back up. They're supposed to only be the plants, but because they are plants in water, insects live on them, and they are accidentally brought back here. Mm -hmm. So I am looking at these insects that were accidentally collected and brought and identifying them, which actually hasn't been done at all. I think we only found four or five papers that actually discussed it before mm -hmm. in any context. So we are looking at these insects, and I just have to say they're like the craziest things you can imagine. <laughs> they are very crazy animals. So I am an entomologist by training, and the sort of things he's finding are things that sometimes we're not even exactly sure where to start with, with what he's found. <laughs> so he's he's had a lot of interesting, uh, potentially completely new discoveries, but that's kind of where where his research is going. And um, and who is our botanist uh, that yes. uh, provided these samples yes, for should, the study? Yes, I should give him credit. Mm -hmm. uh, the botanist <laughs> that collected in our providing these samples to us is Dr. Thomas Philbrick. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, and uh, Dr. Thomas Philbrick is a, is a professor in the biology department here, and he um, is a world expert on this group of plants, and again, was kind enough to say, hey, I think there might be some insects in these samples, and then uh, let Jacob and I take a look at them, um, mostly Jacob. <laughs> and yes. so, uh, Jacob, so how many samples, so these samples are collected, and they're basically put in small Tupperware containers or small bags, about the size of a sandwich container. And um, so how many individual containers have you looked at? And how many uh, insects have you found so okay. far? So roughly. Technically, I've looked at over 200 just to mm -hmm. see if there were insects in the samples. Mm -hmm. But right now, I've only looked at actually fully gone through five different samples. Uh, one of them had, I think, over 800 mm -hmm. insects in it in mm -hmm. a relatively small Tupperware container. Uh, mm -hmm. The other ones only had about 30 or 40, but thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so in total, Jacob's oh, looked at over 1,000 insects on plant samples, very small samples that are actually not supposed to have insects on them. They were not, when when they're collected, the plants are, are taken out of the water, they're shaken, then they're dipped in a bucket to kind of further clean them off and then put in a bag. So they're kind of aggressively treated. So that is what continues to astound us yeah. is that he's finding so many animals on samples that were not <laughs> intended to collect any any small animals. So. Yeah, and even the bag is rinsed out several times with mm -hmm. alcohol. So mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So these are things that 
you know, are either really tangled up inside these plants or really want to be on these plants. And so he's found some beetle larvae. He's found um, some uh, moth larvae, which is very unusual. They're generally not aquatic. Um, they're just a few species that are aquatic. So yeah, I think 0.5%. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's finding some very unusual things that um, we're having a lot of fun with. He's taking pictures of and... Um, uh, he'll be presenting that, those data at some point once we start to yeah. get a better handle on what these things are. <laughs> so, And you are enjoying this work, Jacob? I am loving it. Yeah. Every day it's something new and amazing, <laughs> and the excitement never stops. <laughs> right. It's like a, like a scavenger hunt. Yes. <laughs> always something new in there. So, Well, thanks, Jacob. Well, thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, no, yeah. it's so crazy. <laughs> okay. Okay. Go us. So is this fairly representative of, like, John Q. bio major, or are you doing, mm. is this sort of extraordinary stuff that you're doing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's yeah. a little bit of our poster child example of, okay. like, what opportunities there are. Um, there's, But there's, a, you know, there's maybe, like, three to five other students who are kind of in this category of taking advantage of the opportunities that are there. Cause, yes. Um, and we're trying to promote that because because we're small, um, they have there's so much potential, you know, for what they can do. But this summer undergraduate research fellowship, like we tend to not get a lot of applicants, and yeah. and they get paid. By the way, he got what four thousand dollars, four thousand dollars, and I think they gave yeah. me five hundred more for housing. Yeah, so, so forty five. Yeah, so he had housing. He got paid to do the work. Mm. He gets to go to a meeting that's being actually also. Um, paid by the paid university. By the university, <laughs> so it's um, it's a good deal. And I was yeah. the only one that applied last year. Yeah, <laughs> for the surf program mm-hmm. or for yeah the, for oh the surf gosh. program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, but that no is not why you got in. You, <laughs> yes. you Dr. Connolly would not take on just anyone. <laughs> yeah, and so. the surf committee would not just accept anyone. <laughs> no, no, he still had to go through the whole process. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. Now, recorded live in the basement of Whitehall, co-host Chantel Williams. Hi. <laughs> how are you, Chantel? I'm doing well. How are you? That's good. <laughs> are you all worried about the coronavirus? Um, okay. So, I don't know. I guess, like, a little bit. Not as worried as my mom, though. Mm. She prepared. She did, like, a pre-coronavirus spread kind of apocalypse thing. So, like, we went to the grocery store and we stacked up on, like, a whole bunch of canned foods and things like that because she was, like, just in case the trucks can't come in and deliver food. Um, And I'm staying on top of, like, the news and everything because I feel like every day there's something new happening with it. So I'm just trying to, like, stay clean. You know, just, I mean, because, okay, a lot of the stuff that they're saying is stuff that I was already doing, and I hope other people were doing as well. That's good. But, um just enhance it more so i constantly have perel wipes everything yeah. um just more cautious of like my area every time i go to my office or anything i wipe it down um yeah and just try to like stay healthy as much mm-hmm. as possible but like you know it's kind of like it's it's kind of, you know it's spreading so just knowing like the signs and stuff like that and uh yeah just trying to stay as clean as possible yeah that's exactly what you should do yeah actually your mom is right too because i talked to a couple of health professionals who are planning for whatever comes and they have been stocking up too yeah and i didn't even think about that not like i because i knew we had you know stock up on cleaning supplies and when we went there all of like the bleach and everything was it was gone but i didn't (laughs) think about like the the trucks and everything not being able to come here um you know like not being able to like drop supplies off and i didn't even think about that and then it's probably yeah. more likely that it's just you don't want to go to the store when yeah. everybody's sick. Yes. Yeah. And so that's why we just got as much stuff. Um, and, like, you know, non-perishable, like, stuff. Just, like, easy stuff. We can just. And did you cancel all your spring break no, plans? No, I'm still going. I'm just going to take the chance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I said, well, you know, if it's going to spread, it's going to spread. I'm just going to take the chance anyway. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not canceling. I will we'll be in the airport, you know, with my mask. I mean, they said, like, the mask doesn't help. But just in case, just cover it up as much as possible. <laughs> but I'm going on my trip. I'm like, you know, because you know, honestly, you know. <laughs> It's spreads and spreads, so yeah. I'm also going to enjoy my vacation, you know? <laughs> Are you going to China or Iran or No, uh, see, I'm not going, out, I'm not going out the country, so that's oh, okay. a good thing. Um, but, like, I am going to, like, the popular spring break location. So first I'm going to Puerto Rico, and then we're going to Miami. And 
Yeah, there's every a lot of people break, there. Yeah, every spring breaker goes basically to Miami. There's a huge population down there. So, um, on a hopefully. plane. Yes. So, we'll Good see how, Lord. you know, how it goes. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, but that's something, I think it was just on the news yesterday, they were talking about, you know, spring break is coming up, um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see, like, I'm just going to make sure, like, we extra, like, disinfect down there as well, because it's a lot, it's a lot of college kids that's down there. Oh, um, yeah. From all sneezing all on over. each other. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> We're just going to cross our fingers and hope everything is good, but um, hopefully, you know, that's not, hopefully we don't have like a huge spread after that, yeah. so. Well, yeah. we can do the, um, your segment um, over the phone, right, Pete? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when she's sick at home. From yeah. quarantine, yeah. <laughs> Live from the quarantine. <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually experiencing it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to show how dedicated I am to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah so that's that's something i'm yeah just keeping in mind and just watching the news every day but yeah. it just seems like there's so much going on with it um and there's like the new cases and uh everything so just and it seems like it's just getting closer and closer and then you just th- there's people like probably that don't know they have it or probably mm-hmm. think they have it and they don't have it you know it could be because the flu is still going around and then there's like just a common cold you know and then like allergies. So every person that sneezes doesn't necessarily has the virus, but it's just it's a scary thing because you just hear more and more cases coming, and you just don't know who was where, who they touched, you know, who, you know who you came cross paths with. So um, yeah, yeah, you just gotta be cautious. So do you have a plan to communicate with your mom while you're in Puerto Rico? Yeah, oh, that plan Florida? was already set before. Mm. I even booked the trip even before the virus came about because, you know, of course, their daughter traveling different places. It's just a natural, like, fear. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, we have, like, my, my phone is, you know, constantly going to be on and things like that. Um, and she brought me, like, these whole bunch of wipes and bleach and stuff like that. So I'm all covered with that. Um, so, yeah, so we'll see how it goes. But yeah. I plan on still having a good time. So <laughs> no virus is stopping me from my spring break. No. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it, I, I think it's it'll be OK, but we just got to be extra cautious. That's all. And we said it like a million times. I know in the office and the school sent out the notice as well. If you don't feel well, just stay home. Um, even if you just feel like That's it's right. like a minor thing because you just don't know what it is. So mm-hmm. it's just best that if you stay home, you know, infect the people at your home. Just don't pass it on to anyone else. You know? That's right. <laughs> it's just it's just, you know, just for safety reasons, especially with everything going on. So even if you just like I know some people just love to push themselves, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And hate missing like class and things like that. So, but even then, like it's understandable. The professors have been really understanding for those who have been sick and things like that. It's understandable to stay home mm-hmm. um, and take care of yourself. Your health is more important, and the health of others is more important as well. Yeah, so. and you're not going to flunk out now, even if you miss the rest of the semester. Your right, professors right. Would give and then you like A's. they also talked about like the plan. God forbid, if they do have to shut down the school, that you still, you know. Um, We'll have access to classes online and things like yeah. that, and it'll just be basically all online. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll still and we'll be still able have the to... podcast too, right? <laughs> so it'll still with the updates and everything mm-hmm. about what's going on. So um, yeah, I just just to be so it's just also important to make sure that you're checking your emails about what's going on and things like that, and um, utilize the podcast, utilize social media, anything, so you know like constantly what's going on. Because I know there's like a lot of questions as to like what what will happen what's like how the extent of everything um if there is a case what does that look like you know so just to be on top of it right just pay attention yep yeah good so is anything happening in the next two weeks before spring break yeah there's a lot happening so tonight is bingo oh okay yep so get another shot at it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah tonight bingo west side campus um at 8 p.m um, and then this is, you know, hopefully it says in a little blurb, you can win a Nintendo Switch, um, which is something I've, I want it because I like playing Mario Kart and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. and my brother doesn't really allow me to play his system. So it's OK. That's nice. A gift card basket. Should I talk to a him? Camera. You, uh, to you talk can. To but, him. you know, yeah, he, he he's he's particular about his system. That is his <laughs> like hobby. You know, when I was little. Yeah. But like now it's just like, no. <laughs> so it's OK. I'll get my own. Okay. <laughs> Um, and gift cards and things like that and other prizes, um, which you have to go there to find out what the prizes are. So um, that's tonight in West Side Campus Ballroom, brought to you by um, PAC, and that's at 8 p.m. Are you going? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. no one else should go, right, because you're going to win. Right. I should, like, I, I'm rolling my sleeves up. I'm focusing, um, and I'm 
going to get bingo. I'm just going to claim it. All right. And hopefully coming back <laughs> next week, you will hear I got bingo. <laughs> I can't wait to hear, man. <laughs> so let's just cross our fingers and right. for that. Um, on Thursday, um, March the 5th, Choices Office will host Get on the Wagon from noon to 4 p.m. in the Midtown Student Center lobby. Um, participants will have the opportunity to try a three on drunk driving simulator um, and then complete a survey and get a t-shirt and they're going to have raffles and then they're also going to have like food and stuff like that. Um, I'm sad I'm missing this event because I'm going to be at internship, but the Choices Office, we partner a lot with them, that with, with um, Sharon and mm-hmm. Sharla and those who work in the Choices Office. Um, and it's also like, you know, students go there for counseling and things like that. It's, it's a great um, office and a great time. And so this is a drunk driving simulator. Have you ever done it? No. It's fun. I did it in my first time doing it was middle school. I think wow. we did it for health class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They got on us early. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we had like the glasses and then um, it was just walking. Hmm. And then in high school, we had it again. And then we had like a simulator where you actually are driving a car with um, impaired vision and hmm. things like that and what it looks like. It's it's hard. Um <laughs> I don't know how people do it. I can barely see as it is, you know. So um, <laughs> driving impaired is just not something that's that's just just can't happen. It's so, just not good because yeah. you could kill yourself or other or people. Others. It would exactly. Be bad. Yeah. yeah, and that's the last thing that we want. So a simulator like this can honestly, like, if you can't, you know, walk, let alone drive, yeah. um, it's just a good simulator to have um, and to do and participate participate in because yeah i know i heard a couple of people you know on campus i'm saying like oh it's fine you know i just had a few don't take the chance Mm. um and this is coming off of like like experience from like seeing stuff on social media with families that are mourning Mm. like the loss of their child or a parent or something either due to a drunk driver or their child or somebody was drunk themselves and they were attempted to drive um just this past summer um Two children, kids have lost their lives in, in an accident in Stanford, um, and everyone in there were underage. They were drinking, mm. um, and then they hit a pole, mm. and, and it, it, was, it was so sad because that community was just lost, yeah. you know, um, all under the age of 20. Mm. Um, and then, you know, and they, they just came back from celebrating their friend's birthday. Mm. What started off as like a casual day, and then like the, those that involved that um, are um, that survived it. Um, they can't even like talk about it. All, you know, they shared like the videos just from like an hour literally before, hmm. um, and it's a decision that they forever would regret. You know, yep. and so now the driver as well. You know, he's in trouble and things like that. So it's just, it, it's it's a lasting consequence. It's not just something that, oh, I get there. It, it's a chance that you take as soon as you hit that road, as soon as you get in that car. So just don't take that chance. Yeah. There's so many different avenues there's ubers um if you don't feel comfortable taking an uber by yourself partner up with somebody because most likely you know you know if you're not drinking by yourself your your friend is going to be you know impaired as well so plan ahead i know for my friends and i if we're all drinking we plan ahead on how we're getting to and from our location Mm -hmm. um and we utilize uber a lot you can split the the cost and things like that because it's just a safe ride or have a designated um driver if you guys want to take turns you know okay i'm not drinking tonight i can drive but we we hold each other accountable as well because we know like it's it's just not a chance that we're willing to take it i think that accident was really like a wake-up call for Mm. a lot of um, individuals Mm. that it could happen to you it could happen to anybody Um, and not only just drink drunk driving it's also like if you're tired um that has a huge effect on you as well you can doze off and not even realize you're dozing off Mm. and then next thing you know like you're in a tree or something so um it's just important to be aware of those signs Mm -hmm. good Mm -hmm. so choices um thank you for that so it's called get on the wagon and again it's thursday march the 5th um noon to 4 p.m so it's like an all-day event and choices um sharon she does an awesome job again so it's going to be a fun event i feel yeah (laughs) Um, and then also happening is Dress for Success. It's happening March the 5th. And this is hosted by SGA and the National Society of Leadership and Success. Um, and then the Career Success Center is also hosting it as well. Um, and the event will take place at 6 p.m. on Westside Campus Ballroom. Um, and then representatives from the um, JOSA Bank will present helpful trends and tips on how to dress appropriately for a job interview and for employment. Yeah, um, that's and the that's, men's uh, store, a uh, clothing store, yes. Joseph Banks. Yes. Joseph Bank. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and that's a great opportunity as well because um, presenting yourself, how you, um, what you put out there is what you is how people you know perceive mm-hmm. you so it's always important to make that good first impression the first thing somebody is going to see is how your appearance your, your appearance you know even before um speaking with you you can be an awesome student, but if your appearance is off they're automatically going to get that first you know reaction and they're even if you have the best interview ever they might just get turned off because their mind mm-hmm. is constantly on their first um appearance of you so it's important to take advantage of these workshops, especially those of us who are graduating and, you know, going on to professional um, level jobs and things like that, to always be aware of how we um, present ourselves in the workplace, um, not only just for the interview, but when you're actually working um, to keep that manner as well. So it's, it's interesting because the Career Success Center just spoke to social work seniors today. Um, we had like a little career day. Um, and it was about like presenting ourselves and then a uh, representative from Ability, Ability and Beyond. And Danbury came and said like what she looks for in an interview um, when she's interviewing someone for a position. And that was very helpful, a lot of helpful tips. And one of the main things was just like presentation mm-hmm. um, and right off the bat, you know, how to present yourself. Are we talking to mostly guys here? Because women usually are, <laughs> understand how to get it together. Well, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but it's for everyone, you know. But guys tend to struggle more than women. I feel mm-hmm. like in that department. But everybody needs the tips, you know. It's always like a, a way to like present yourself. And then women, it may be like a little harder to just try to like look at that professional look because you want to still be fashionable and things like that. But um, for both, it's just beneficial for both. So. You've been thinking about it for a while, though. For professionalism, or yeah, yeah, I have been. Um, like that's been something that was like enforced for me from the like since I was younger. It just wasn't like about professionalism, but it's always like your my presentation and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, my mom did not play when it came to my clothing, so she always like make sure like I was dressed appropriately for my age, for like where I'm going and things like that. Um, in this, a lot of people think when you think professional, like you have to be like overly baggy clothes and just like non like just bland like you know you can add color you can have style it's just the way uh, in the form that you do it mm-hmm. um and i think that's important there's a lot of great stores out there that have fashionably appropriate professional clothing for women and men mm-hmm. um and you just have to know how to match it up so that's a, a big thing as well you don't have to professional doesn't mean looking like boring you can spice it up a lot of color you know and mm-hmm. and things like that it's you can still look cute and professional at the same time but you just need to know how to do that um, in an appropriate way. So, yeah, that's always something that I learned. And then in my internship, you know, of course, I have to dress professionally. I'm Mm -hmm. working, you know, at probation. And um, that's something they said they value about me because of my professionalism um, and how I present myself. Um, And it's not, like, seen for a person, like, my age. But I just always know, like, you know, like, I'll have time to wear, like, my jeans, my ripped jeans and things like that. But just in that setting, um, I want to look as professional as possible so i can be taken seriously as a worker mm-hmm. um and so that i don't blend in as a child so like also <laughs> like that's the reason why i do it is because like i just want to be taken seriously and just know like i'm for you know about my about my business and i'm not you know taking this as a joke and that's worked out right yes it has it worked out a lot so um it's just something naturally that comes mm-hmm. you know i have my work clothes my professional clothing and i have like you know if i just go out with my friends mm-hmm. um yeah so it's good. always good to have that balance. So this workshop will help mm-hmm. as well. So make sure you guys come out to that. Again, 6 p.m. Thursday, March the 5th, um, Dress for Success, and it's in the Westside Campus Ballroom. So, yeah, that would be good. And then there's also going to be, I don't know how to pronounce it, but there's an opera going on um, Thursday, March 5th at 7 p.m., um, and it's in the VPAC Main Stage Theater. I don't know how to pronounce it. How about Pipuccio? Maybe he knows how to pronounce yeah, it. I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know what it is. It's uh, <laughs> you have to look it up. Let me see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't to want to put it. Chantel through that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to botch it. I know I will. Uh, I'm gonna have to cut some of this out. No, it's December second. This is not. This is great radio, by the way. Uh, upcoming events. So Gee, I should have looked the in the app. Oh, uh, yeah, you should have. See, I went Look to the, uh... old school. Hey, I guess the internet's working again. Oh, <laughs> I had the name. I just don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. No, I know. Oh, he geez. has to look it up so he can, because of uh, his Italian background. <laughs> I don't know if that's Italian. Uh, I guess it is. It's the elixir of love in Italian. 
Uh, let's hear the accent. I don't know. I don't, I've never seen this. Is it Italian? I don't know. Who uh, who composed it? It's yeah, this intense. is all. Well, if you guys cut. go on the Wow, you can see what the name that we're struggling for <laughs> to pronounce. Um, but yeah, the opera WCS Opera will will present this. Um, all right. And at 7 p.m. March the 5th. So I think, you know, if you guys want to know the pronunciation of the, the name, I, I suggest you go to the event. Yeah. So they can <laughs> probably <laughs> know what you're, you're listening to. <laughs> but it's an interesting name. So, um, yeah, so go out to that event, support the arts, and um, support the opera. Mm-hmm. See, Paul, you tried to get me to uh-huh. embarrass myself there. But... You and... didn't know Italian as an infant? No. Just no, that's actually Italian a long and kind of sad story. But <laughs> oh no, uh, yeah. Huh. And how about Greek? Now you're a l- Greek l- side of the family. A little bit, yeah. There you go. <laughs> we'll have to have a Greek opera. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and then we'll be able to get it. Um, and Friday, March sixth, um, HRB roundtable. No, oh, yeah. HR eight roundtable with um, Senator Chris Murphy. Um, and he will be hosting the roundtable at 3.15 p.m. in the Midtown Student Center Theater. Um, and it's... It's about handgun um, yes. notifications and yes. things like that. So that should be interesting. Um, yep. Students are welcome. There's no cost or anything. Mm-hmm. You just have to send an email, and the email um, that you need to send it to is attached um, to reserve a seat. Yeah, just show up. Just show they up. Okay. <laughs> just show plenty up. of seats there. <laughs> So I think that should be interesting as well. Again, it's with Senator Chris Murphy, and it's Friday, March the 6th at 3.15 p.m. Midtown Student Center Theater. Mm-hmm. And then to top off Friday, um, Breck is hosting a bowling event. Oh. Um, and it's bowling, I think it's like, yeah, it's 10 p.m. to midnight, and it's um, at the Brookfield Lanes. Um, the address is on the well as well, but for those of you who just want the address, it's a4840 Federal Road in Brookfield. There's going to be free food provided by the WCSU provided to WCSU students only. Um and you don't it doesn't state that you have to reserve a ticket. Um I think it's just whoever shows up that would like to go um but you, if, if you want more information you can contact Rec and they'll be able to provide more information to you. Cool. What time does that start? 10 p.m. Mm. and it goes to midnight. So, yeah. I've never been to those lanes, though. I've never been um, bowling up here. I've only been to Norwalk and Milford. So, mm. um, but I do enjoy bowling. I'm getting better. At yeah, and you're hanging goes. out for two hours. So, what the hell? Yeah, it's free and you don't and have to pay. Food, yeah. yeah, and you have food. <laughs> so, that's that's a great event. Um, so, I think, you know, go out to that and mm-hmm. enjoy bowling night. And then Saturday, you know, it is Women's History Month. Yes. And um, so there is an event. Saturday, March the 7th, it's called Empowering Women to Escape Alive. Um, WCSU and the Fairfield County Community Foundation um, and the Women's Center Council and the Jane Doe um, No More will present Empowering Women to Escape Alive, a self-defense training class for women and girls ages 12 and over. And this is taking place um, 1 to 5 p.m. in the Westside Campus Center Ballroom. Um, and participants will learn awareness and prevention tips um, to escape uh, and escape strategies, striking techniques. It's, it's like self-defense yeah. in case you are ever in that position. And as women, um, men as well, but as women, it's important to really protect ourselves and learn these um, techniques and skills to protect ourselves. So Just give you more confidence. Yes, and there's no cost to it. Um, you can just go and um, participate, and that's it, it's a free mm-hmm self-defense um, class, which is very rare and hard to find. So it's um, very important that we partake in like things like this, especially in the time period that we are now. Unfortunately, there's a lot of events that's happening, so we just need to make sure that we protect ourselves and right. we know the, the, the techniques. So again, that's Saturday, March the 5th, 1 to 5 p.m. Um, in the Westside Campus Center Ballroom. Um, and then, yeah, so it's from ages 12 to um, at 12 and up. So the youngest you can be is 12, which is good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have more questions, you can contact the Women's Center. And um, there's also contact information available on the WOW um, if you have more questions. Good. Yeah. So everybody gets the WOW. Yes. So we're all set. <laughs> and that will wrap up our events. For this week. Good. <laughs> Good job. And off with self defense.
So we'll have you back once more before you uh, disappear forever, yes. right? Yeah, right. Jeez. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Pete's yeah. worried about the coronavirus, I, I guess. No, I just think you're going to be, you know, locked up in some, uh... <laughs> yeah, Puerto Rican hospital. Yeah, just you're drop just everybody fine. in Guantanamo or something. And... <laughs> Hopefully not. They have phone. I think they have phones at Guantanamo, so you can call in. You'll still get the wow. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the internet probably works at Gitmo. Yeah. <laughs> They'd probably be like, wow, she's really devoted. Yeah, well. <laughs> you know, what's better than the first scoop, like the first live <laughs> yeah. here? So. All right. So we'll see you next week. Yes. And uh, have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Pete, for everything you've done to engineer this edition of At WCSU. You're welcome. We got our producer, Scott Fulpe, behind the scenes. He gets a thank you, too. And even if everybody gets sick and we're sent home, Chantel and Pete and I are going to continue doing this podcast. And you can find it every place you find your favorite podcast. So sign up so you don't miss any news about the coronavirus and everything else going on campus. For Chantel Williams, this is Paul Steinmetz, and this is at WCSU.